0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is a Wednesday, Wednesday, November 10th. And that means it's time for a Brady Quinn football show. <laughs> if you want to see Brady do some kind of uh cool, oh, Brady, you want to see Brady dab? Go to, go to YouTube.com slash Pick 6. Hit the subscribe button. Do that uh, anyway. Today is November 11th. What did I say it was, D.B.? Uh,
1: you know what today is, Will? It is Veterans Day. So we got to make sure we thank all the veterans out there, all those who put their life on the line, sacrificed for the greater good, so we can enjoy these liberties and freedom. Thank you to all those out there serving. And that, who I have served, yeah.
0: That is a great call. And uh, also, if you feel like making a contribution to help out – veterans you can go to the third and goal foundation i don't know what the website is but you can tell us
1: it's it's yeah 3ng.com or yeah. third and goal wasn't doing that for a plug i really was just sincerely giving a thank you to all the vets out there
0: and i was sincerely promoting the foundation because you, i know you do good work for veterans i know people probably think like ah brady quinn too cool like hanging around south florida talking about football all the time no no brady is he's out there giving back to the community
1: we're uh, we've got three phases Just quickly about our foundation. We um, operation home. We adapt homes, to make the handicap accessible for wounded vets. Uh, our second thing is called operation education. We put on educational platforms for uh, student vet- veterans who are either coming to school to, to start, uh, continue, or finish their education and operation joy. We look for those veteran families in need uh, who need a little assistance in particular around the holiday season, uh, but really just for uh, a smattering of different things that we do. So, we actually, I'm actually excited. I, I can't announce anything yet, but I do feel like we've got a kind of something in the works for like a partnership moving on in the future. That's cool. going to kind of be, I don't want to say like a, a first mover advantage type thing in this space, but, um, something that we're working on and hopefully I'll be able to have like a big announcement at some point.
0: That's awesome. Can, um, can I ask you? So w- did, when did you start this foundation? Because I know that I do think that, um, because like so much of football coverage is, uh, related to bad things that happen off the field and or snarky assessments of things that happen on the field that oftentimes the good work that football players, and there's a lot of NFL players doing good work, goes overlooked. So like, was this something you like were passionate about like coming into the league and you started, or was it something you started later? I'm just, I'm just kind of curious how that sort of all unfolded in all seriousness.
1: Yeah, I think I, I came to a realization when I got to Denver. Uh, I had a conversation with a wounded veteran uh, while I was out in Denver Broncos training camp. Uh, Lonnie Paxton, our long snapper, he had worked with the wounded warriors foundation or wounded warrior project, and he had invited some vets to come out and I was close with Lonnie and I went over and was talking to some of the guys and I called my dad. My dad was a Marine in Vietnam. His father had served two in the army, um, in, in world war two. And, and he, you know, he, I kind of said to him, I was like, I, I feel really guilty. Like, I, I feel like I've got a weight on my shoulders because, that could have been me. Like if I had, I not had the ad- avenue of sports and the opportunity to go to Notre Dame and go to the NFL, I would have probably went and served. And, and that would have been, you know, what I did probably after I was done uh, with school, uh, maybe done with college. I, I don't know. Um, but that was kind of the avenue that I think I was looking at. And so I've always felt it in my blood to have like a civic duty to give back to the country. My dad said, you know, it, it doesn't make sense for what you're doing now, but what we can do is we can help all those who serve and we can start. Uh, you know, he said he was a home builder. He he remodels and builds homes. So he's like, why don't we find someone who is is in this sort of need chopper? That's right. Ty or Tyrone, uh, chopper Quinn Chopper is, is, uh, is his nickname, which he's got a bunch of different stories to tell why he has that nickname, but, uh, one of a kind, but anyway, so this is back in 2010 and we started with one project self-funded, continue to do that for a couple of years. And then we put together a small golf tournament. Uh, annual event called the Blue Jacket, where the person who looks like they're having the most fun gets awarded the Blue Jacket. Uh The first year, the inaugural year, we didn't even finish the round. Someone, I won't say who, but they won a Super Bowl. Uh, then they had to reside in my family. They put a golf cart into a pond. And so that was on like 14 or 15. And it basically was was the end of that. We weren't asked to come back. And we I kind of bounced around from course to course because we have a lively golf event. But we found a home now at Tartan Fields there in Dublin, Ohio, for uh, for uh a few years.
0: Nobody Google the 2010 Green Bay Packers roster. Don't do that. Whatever you do. <laughs> 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 that is right, right? <laughs> I think I wanted that one. <laughs> yeah. No, that was right. I mean, it, I don't even
1: know if you need to do that. You could just do a little bit of background digging on, on my family. If, if you look at who my family has won a Super Bowl.
0: <laughs> right. No, famously, because I think we were probably in – I don't know if it was in college. I can't remember when I was, but famously – uh, I believe your sister, your, is that right? Your sister, yes, my your, older sister,
1: jersey. my older sister,
0: your older sister wore the split Jersey.
1: That's right. In Inspired a, a very by Nellie. In Inspired by Nellie.
0: That's right. In a very important football game. Um okay, Anyway, that's fantastic. That's really cool. I, I was just, I legitimately was curious. Like, I didn't know if it was like, like it was born out of something that, you know, you, that you experienced. And yeah. And uh, my dad, was born was out, a, out of uh, guilt, it's
1: born out of guilt. That's why, cause, cause it, it could have been me, right? And, and that, that's how, and I think just for my family, my, my, my father, my grandfather on his side, um, it was really born kind of through that and just wanting to give back to, to those that serve this country.
0: Yeah. My grandfather, uh, also, uh, was in the army in World War II. And then my dad was, uh, I think, like a, My dad was not a very, uh, a prolific soldier. It's all right. I don't think he was like discharged, but I think he was, um, so my, my grandfather, my, you know, I'll tell, we don't need to tell the story. Uh, anyway, my, my, my grandfather was my, my grandfather on my mom's side, big time army guy, big time discipline, et cetera. My dad, I believe just a private, Who you know,
1: Hey man, in whatever capacity you serve, everyone's got a role. Everyone's got a job and it helps defend this country. So Absolutely. that's something we said for that.
0: Uh, today is also not just veterans day, but it is the day before the 2020 master's and that's a tough segue, but the Masters are here, and we're excited about the Masters, and there's a lot of storylines floating around. Tiger Woods defending his title, Bryson DeChambeau, bulked up like superman to try and hit the ball 360 yards and go into like like other other fairways he's gonna try and cut corners and fly into opposite holes like i hope this course eats him alive i do not want him to win it drives me nuts that he's gonna like try and shirk the tradition of golf and just blast it through everywhere and like hulk up and do all this stuff drives me nuts i hate it um but all these things are happening kyle porter the host of one of the hosts and one of the guys who does the first cut podcast actually created a map of what it might look like for Bryson to play out there. And the first cut has you covered for all things masters uh, first cut part of the CBS sports podcast network. We'll have you, we'll have tournament previews, picks best bets plus round by round recaps as the world's best tee off on Thursday. The First cut crew is on the scene. Kyle is down there. Um, I think Mark moment down there as well. At Augusta, not sure about Rick Gaiman, but uh, they've got a crew down there ready to bring you every insight into a tradition unlike any other. Go listen to First Cut Golf Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, before we get to the football, we're going to do some midseason awards. Do you want to um, – you gave me a stink eye when I said that I don't like what Bryson's doing.
1: No, I just thought it was interesting that you're upset that he's kind of changing golf. Like he's he's basically looked at the way golf has been set up. And he put on, what, 40 pounds or whatever it was uh, during the course of COVID.
0: Might be like 80 pounds. 80 pounds of meat.
1: (laughs) Whatever it is. Yeah. And he just said, look, if you're not going to penalize us for hammering the golf ball and utilizing the technology that we have at our disposal, if you're not going to penalize us for doing that with making it impossible to take advantage of it with some of these courses, why not? And I appreciate that.
0: I I agree with that stance. I do like the idea that he's like listen, you know, cuz it's like people, you know, people are like uh, you know, like Moneyball, like Moneyball is about like nerd stats. Well, no, no, no. Moneyball is exploiting a market inefficiency. And in golf there's a market inefficiency in that if you can not hit the ball 360 yards, I mean, he might have a wedge in on all these par 5s which would make it a lot easier. I just want to see him I I just he He's like, I'm going to overpower the U.S. Open. And i it's like, No, you're not. You're not going to. Over- Nobody overpowers the U.S. Open. Pal, and then he actually did overpower the U.S. Open, and so it made me mad. So now I'm like, now I'm like on tilt that he's going to overpower uh, the Augusta, which is I find you to just, be is, a, of- is it
1: is it in a way he's overpowering you like as a person as a citizen in the United States? Do you feel like he's just he's overpowering you, and that's really the issue? Is you just feel like he's he's too much? He, I, 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 I
0: like think of an alpha. You know what the You know what the real problem is, Brady. What's that? Everybody has these Bryson Deschambeau to win the Augusta tickets, the bets they put in before COVID at like 40 to one and I don't. And so now he's like eight to one. Like, if we, you know, and so it's like, it's really just FOMO. Like I know that it's going to be like Sunday night and he's going to be like holding getting that like, like tearing a green jacket as he's like, like rips it with his giant muscles. Cause they got the, like the side. Pre-chambe. What are you
1: going to be doing? Show me what you're going to be doing.
0: Oh, he's fitting. Yeah. I mean, I'll probably be watching Sunday night football.
1: So you're not going to be sitting there with a toughie in your hand, just drowning away your sorrows. Yeah. The nice cold toughie. It's
0: gonna be, it's, we're going to have the masters in the NFL all at the same time for the first time ever. I'm not going to be drowning your sorrows.
1: All right. You'll be excited about. It. Sorry. I, I thought you'd be a little more sober, and we were talking about our doctor visits and, you know, if, if you're, whether or not you're forthcoming with, uh, how many actual alcoholic beverages <laughs> you have during the course of a day or during a week.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not telling the doctor that I have, you
1: know, I have a neighbor that like literally did the math and he was honest with his doctor. He said, yeah, I probably have over the course of a weekend, 15 plus 20 drinks. He's like, I like to hit it hard on the weekends. He goes, well, the doctor's just like, okay. He's like, do you drink during the week? He goes, no. No. He goes, yeah, but that does kind of average out over it, you know, cause they, they give you the thing you could check off, like, do you have like a drink a day or two or more, whatever is on average? And he was like, yeah, I don't really know how to answer that cause I usually don't, but on the weekends I get after it pretty hard.
0: Um, yeah, I think that, uh, uh, I mean, the, 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 I, I feel like the doctor's request when you go in there is a little stringent. Like they're like, do you have more than one drink a day over the course of a week? It's like, well, if that's the full average for the, you know, Monday through Sunday, then yeah, I did. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Why not? laughs> like, you know, you say, he's like, you're like, hey, doc, can we take Fridays and Saturdays out? Or like, what's it like? Do we include? He's exactly.
1: Oh, no count. I mean, it's not a typical day, right?
0: Right. right, right, right. Or Saturday, yeah. If you have a
1: cheat day for eating, you have a cheat day for drinking where it, like doesn't count against the count, right?
0: What do you like like if I have eight beers on Saturday, you're gonna count you're gonna like like my ruins my whole average for the week?
1: Like let's be real. Like you're not gonna have eight and probably not have ten or twelve. So it looks I mean, especially if NC State wins, which last week's game against Miami was pretty close. So I imagine there was a lot of toughies being had in anticipation of the upset and then disappointment.
0: Well, like does a fireball shot count as a, a drink? Is that like a I
1: think technically a shot. One shot counts as one drink.
0: Yeah. I was not happy about the fireball. Those were not ordered by me, nor did I appreciate them. And it, it, it cost me on Saturday. Let's get to the midseason awards. <laughs> what a segue. I know. Um, okay. So I, I saw that, uh, the NFL, NFL media, NFL.com put up their midseason awards as well. Sure uh, if you had to guess, there was actually a vote for Derek Carr on there. Good. He should
1: be part of the conversation. He's had a good season. Right. Who? David Carr. I mean, now I, I I want to take that statement back. I mean, I was excited about it because he is having a good year. He's almost 70% of his passes. He's playing 16 touchdowns, two interceptions. Like he's playing well. He's on pace for over 4,000 yards. They've beat the top two teams in each conference. You could probably make that case. K C and, and new Orleans and get off me. Pittsburgh Steelers. I you know you're undefeated. You, you don't play Kansas city. So we won't know to the playoffs, but even then, Kansas City would probably still beat you right now, Um, but they've beaten both those teams, and he's playing really well. Like he should be part of the conversation. But if your brother votes for you, it's like all right,
0: yeah, All right. He had him for like he had the Raiders to win the Super Bowl too before the season, which I, you know, that's fine. I mean,
1: it's it's, it's, it's hey, it, it, it's oh, it's a great odds. Like what were the odds probably before the season?
0: Sixty to one probably seventy.
1: To one. Yeah, awesome. Like great. Like more power to him. But like, you know, you got to kind of put to. Put the, uh, you know, brotherly love to the side.
0: I, I agree. A little more objectivity would be nice. But, uh, if you had to pick who would be, and we had at the quarter, at the quarter poll, we both had Russell Wilson. Has anything changed for you?
1: No, he's still the guy, but I do think it's a lot closer now. Um, I don't know that I would have, I, I, I guess I'll put it this way. We'll get to at the end of the season, who I think it's going to be now, but the other guy who I think it's actually close with, is Dalvin Cook like? Ooh. I don't think he's getting any love. But if you look at what he's done when he's been healthy this year, and how he changes the entire dynamic of the Vikings' offense and of the team, just their ability to win. Like I, I don't know. Like the Vikings are a bad football team without Dalvin Cook. When they have Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins can actually complete some passes. Their defense all of a sudden looks better. Like they are an entirely different football team. So. Next to Russell Wilson, and because we're not to that point where we incorporate stats and did they win their division, did they win, you know, wherever seed they are in the playoffs, all that stuff. Right now, if Russell Wilson's not the quarterback for Seattle, they're awful. They probably have won two games if he's not their quarterback. Maybe Dalvin Cook, when he's not playing, the Vikings have no chance.
0: Yeah. Uh, Follow-up on that. For this coming week's game against the Bears, because I think Dalvin Cook is about to have a monster stretch because after the Bears game, he has the Cowboys – and the Panthers and the Jaguars in some order, and he's going to run rough. Those are like three of the worst rush defenses in the league. <clears throat> against the Bears, I mean, I want to, I want to ride this purple wave and be like, you know, Dalvin's going to go nuts and and all of that. But it's prime time. The Vikings stink against the Bears with Kirk Cousins in town, and I don't know that you can show up and just pound Dalvin Cook and beat Chicago like that. So I'm no, no, no,
1: enough. no. They're, they're gonna have to throw a little bit I think and look if you look at the matchup of those two teams and just look at for example the wide receivers for Chicago and if Bulls can get it to them I mean it's a young secondary for the Vikings that struggled so I think they're gonna have to score some points uh they're gonna have to put pressure uh on 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 the Bears secondary and throw the throw the football around a little bit to Thielen and Jefferson and some of and hit up some of the tight ends so no they're gonna have to throw the football some but don't be deceived. I mean, Dalvin Cook's going to have 30 touches in this game. I mean, via the passing game as well as running the football. And this might be a game too, because of their rush with Mack and Hicks and, uh, you know, Robert Quinn. I actually think he'll get a fair amount of like free release out of the backfield screens, things of that nature to help get him some of those touches and then eliminate some of that pass rush.
0: All right. That's a, that's a great point. Because if that is the, if that's the plan, then that's, I think that's an accessible way for them to win. If they just try to pound Dalvin Cook, then I think they'll, I think they'll lose badly. Uh, related to the Vikings, by the way, there's just some breaking news right now. The NFL owners have unanimously approved a contingency plan to expand the playoff field from 14 to 16 games. If meaningful games are canceled because of COVID-19, but not reseed them, Roger Goodell announced. Uh, Chris Mortensen of ESPN had Previously reported that, and the reason I say it relates to the Vikings is that at two and five, are they three and five now?
1: I mean, they're probably three and five. I think everyone's played eight games now, so three. Yeah, and yeah, 5 that would
0: make sense since we're in week eight, right? Uh, three and five. Three and five. If they can beat the Bears on Monday, again, they have the Jaguars, Panthers, and Cowboys coming up right after that. Like, they can easily get to seven and five, and maybe they can still make it as a seventh seed. But I think if this if this if this season happens to go to eight seeds for whatever reason because of COVID concerns, the Vikings would be one of the top teams. I think that benefit because of of what they're starting to put together right now. Uh, a couple things: a I
1: don't I don't think we've missed any meaningful games. I don't know though we will, uh, so I don't know that we're going to be able to exercise this. But b the other thing is like it's fifty percent of the league gets in the playoffs. Then like it's not the highest bar. And I think if you looked at this year, I mean the, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure this is great for that first round of the playoffs. And how does that work then? Does the number one seed not get a buy?
0: Um, it would lose the buy. One would play eight and, and then, but again, you're not going to reseed them.
1: No, I, I get it, but I'm just saying it's, it's unfortunate then for that number one seed, you know, and, and, th- and then how those games are going to be played in weeks 16 and 17. Agreed. Think about it. I mean, if you're, if you're, what does it matter if you're the one, two or three or four? It doesn't matter at that point. So how many teams, if you're solidified yourself and winning the division, you're in the playoffs, you know, you can't be jockeying for who you play. You're more concerned about saying in week 17, 16, what's the point of even playing? Because I I, I don't want to put my players out there and put them at risk. If I know we're going to the playoffs, I'm not going to have a buy anyway in the first week.
0: Well, let's say that um, the Saints and, and Seahawks are tied at uh, whatever the record is going into week 16. And they're the only two teams that can get the first seed. And they don't know whether or not that contingency plan will be put in place yet. Or, or you know, you know what I mean? Like, and well, you'd, you'd have to know by that point. You would think so.
1: <laughs> I mean, they, they need to clarify what meaningful games mean. Yeah. Is it like games in week 16, 17 that determine then who's in the one or two? Cause this is where I feel like the NFL has really handled COVID, I think quite well. Yeah. And no one gives them any credit. I mean, Alan Sills came out. Uh, recently in the Monday morning quarterback, he had talked about how, look, they they can't trace back a case of COVID that is directly tied to a game or even practice that has occurred where someone has contracted it in that way. That's a win. This is a contact sport, and they don't have any data that suggests that at this point. So, sure. Sure. so far, everything they've done is a win, but this is the first case where, like, you're already looking to kind of manipulate things before you really need to. This isn't like college football and, for example, the Big Ten that put it to put together a rule where Wisconsin might not even play like the first, what, you know, the, or I should say that their their next like three games in, in what is what an eight game season. So they might not even be eligible to, to go and play in the big 10 championship. Like that's a different situation going on at the college level because of how they instituted their, their testing protocols and their quarantine and so forth. The NFL is not there. Like they haven't been impacted the, 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 quite the same way. So it, it's a little bit concerning from that standpoint.
0: I, I think that the logic here is probably that th- this is the fall meetings and it just made sense to get something on the bylaws to have it passed now in case they ha- because you can't you can't make that amendment you can't make that contingency making that contingency plan on the fly and amending it on the fly well i understand what you're saying they don't want to use it i, I think they're just put it in place you got it you got it in place in case
1: yeah but but here's the reality is it's like bankruptcy laws right like we have covid going on right now it's impacted our economy in a big way yeah. You know, when you look at some corporation's decisions to file bankruptcy, it's because they know they'll still be able to actually retain ownership after reorganization after the fact. And so it's it's kind of like when you put in a rule like this, you it's like you would have exercised it if you didn't have it. But now that you have it, you're like, all right, well, like we can always just push it and have a 16 game playoff, right? It, it's kind of like that. Like if you didn't have certain laws or guidelines within like the IRX tax code and the ability to file for bankruptcy restructure and come back out of it on the other end, you wouldn't utilize it. You, you know, that that wouldn't even be an option to you, but it is. So, you know, corporations that might be able to fight the right way out of it. Don't for that reason. Uh, I, I'm just saying that that might not, that might be an apples to oranges comparison in your mind, but it's the first thing that hit me. It was like, well, they're going to utilize it if they've already put in place. I understand your point where they have to have some sort of plan moving forward. And, and that is a good thing, right? Like the NFL is planning for the what if scenarios as they should, but I, I now think that opens up the door then to them allowing eight teams in on each side. And I, I don't know that we really, you know, we're already going to get a terrible NFC East team in. Like, I, hope that,
0: I hope that the plan is not just to do this anyway. I think it's just a contingency, but I understand what you're saying. Like if that is, if their idea is like, hey, eh, extra playoff game, extra money, let's go with it, then, that, then that's disingenuous and that's frustrating.
1: Well, especially for the players too, and, and these things are collectively bargained. And so obviously they, they, you know, they make that that decision on their own. But then how does that factor in for the players and for the revenue? And another thing is for the TV networks. How does this work for them? I mean, or are they even aware of this sort of decision? Who, who, who gets the, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, have those live events, have those games.
0: That's the beauty of having your own in-house network is you can just put the game on NFL network.
1: If yeah. Want. But, but they know that that doesn't, that doesn't provide them the type of revenue or, sure. you know, return on their investment that they're looking for. I mean, ultimately, I think if this is completely way off the radar, like some of these TV networks should look at trying to buy a league, because it doesn't make sense in their current business model, long term. I'm saying for you to be paying for the rights and then having to resell it, and in the form of that using advertising dollars, right, to cover your costs. Like, what's the better way of doing it? Well, We're you you own the league. You you own how you end up putting pushing out. Put, you know, it's like owning an events company. It's the same thing. This, this it would be fascinating to me if if like you don't see. Um, you know, Fox, for example, will try trying to make a push, or maybe you buy a portion of the league. Have another network buy, like NFC, AFC, right? Fox already has the NFC. Why not buy a portion of it? Why not look for, you know, Disney to try to buy the the, you know, they're not Disney, I should say CBS or Viacom if they wanted to buy the AFC. Uh, that would make way more sense. But again, I, I don't Can you want to buy digress. The maybe. AFC, what's that?
0: Can you buy the AFC?
1: Well, no, I'm saying that's how you look at splitting it up. You know, if you looked at trying to buy and you have a partnership together, you split the rights. CBS obviously airs the AFC games. Fox airs the NFC games.
0: You don't like doing that with a different league, though.
1: No, I'm talking about doing that with the NFL.
0: I don't think the NFL would
1: sell the conferences. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. But, but like, it does get to a point where I'm just saying from a TV network standpoint, look at the money how they're generating it. It's, it's like it's one way of ensuring, like, they're able to recoup some of the revenue because the rights fees can't continue to keep going up like this. Eventually they're gonna plateau. That's just the that's just the bottom line.
0: That in theory, that is correct. Uh okay, so MVP. Um <laughs> uh we both have Russell Wilson right now, and I think we both agree or that,
1: or Dalvin Cook the or,
0: or, or we're just giving Dalvin Cook's credit or Derek Carr. Uh and then we both agree that end of season MVP, if you were picking right now, I got Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah, Sam. I mean, even the, even though I think teams have figured out how to kind of limit some of their production offensively. I I do think the way that team's going, like, he's going to have the better shot because, and and this, again, the kind of factors in the Raiders and Derek Carr, they already beat them within the division. Like, maybe I shouldn't count out the Raiders for winning that division, but the Chiefs are just the team that looks to be the best in the AFC. I can't say that about the Seahawks. Like, I kind of worry about the Cardinals or Rams creeping up on them in the NFC West and just that defense not being able to fix some of his issues. They had Jamal Adams back this past week. Didn't matter. And by the way, the Bills just looked to exploit uh, that pass coverage the entire game and just aired it out. And if they're willing to do that, you better believe everyone else, especially the Rams, they play them this week. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you don't think the Rams and, and Sean McVay and Robert Woods, Jared Gothard, they're licking their chops going, I can't wait for this one. This is going to be great for, you know, patting my stats and all those fantasy owners should be excited.
0: And uh, I believe that, Pete Carroll, by the way, said in that game that he, and you know, we talked about this. Teams have started playing soft zone against Josh Allen and forcing him to beat him like underneath and be patient and all of that. We've been talking about this for several weeks. Pete Carroll blitzed the crap out of him. Like, what are you doing, Pete? Like your, your secondary stinks, but just sit back like, and then the guys are running wide open for Buffalo all day. I, I agree though. I think Russell's path now, whereas before, three weeks ago, it looked almost clear that if he kept this up, he would win it. Now he has to be perfect. The defense can't, is not going to bail him out. And additionally, um, it's, it's a different, it's a difficult division. You got to deal with the Rams and the Cardinals.
1: Let me ask you this because stats wise, I think he still might have the best argument. Does yeah. he have to win the division in order to win the MVP? Yes, 100%. And that's, and that's a tough spot is like that then encompasses not just his play because his play has been really with even the, with the exception of the past few weeks where he's turned the football over more. He's still, he still gives them a chance. I mean, he's still to me, as I said about him and Dalvin Cook, like you take them off the field. Those teams have no shot, you know, no shot of of winning football games the way they're playing. So he's a huge difference maker in that regard. So I still think Russell would have a chance, but I think Mahomes, the way things are growing for them, has has equal odds or equal chance of doing it. All
0: right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hit the rest of the awards.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?
0: Okay, so that MVP conversation went into multiple tangents, but they were all important NFL-related tangents, so that doesn't technically count. Defensive player of the year. At the quarter poll, Brady had TJ Watt, and I had Miles Garrett after week four. Uh, who would you take at mid-season, Brady? I think you could still make a case
1: for your guy, Miles Garrett. I'm going to go with Aaron Donald. Um, I think you probably make that case regardless, just because how good he is watching him every week. I mean, teams, the way they prepare for him, try to eliminate him and he still has production. So it's Aaron Donald. Now it'll probably be Aaron Donald at the end of the season. Uh, I just, he plays at a, like a, a freakishly high level every game. It's, it's, it truly is incredible to watch his motor and just the effort that he gives week in a week out.
0: So uh, Aaron Donald and miles Garrett, both tied right now with nine sacks each. Miles Garrett Lee is titled Marlon Humphrey for most fumbles force Four. Ro- Roquan Smith is a sort of a sneaky guy that you could put into the conversation, but the bears probably aren't good enough for it to happen. Buddha Baker. I think is at least, I was, I was just going
1: to say Buddha Baker, be the other guy that kind of comes to mind as far as the impact he's had on that defense this year.
0: Maybe we could do a meme where it's like Buddha Baker is running with the ball. And then it's like Aaron Donald's face or head on, on DK,
1: D.K. ass body. Yeah. yeah, that's great. That's, that's pretty creative. I like what you did there.
0: Um, yeah, I, uh, I think that's probably the short list right now. I'm not sure if we're missing anybody else, but I, I'll, I will go with Miles Garrett at midpoint. And I'm sort of doing this because I had Miles Garrett before the season. So I'm just going to like, that's like, we had to do these midseason Super Bowl. It's like, you can change your Super Bowl pick at midseason. And I was like, well, I'm going to take the Colts. People were like, what, what, what are you, what are you an idiot? I was like, well, I'll take the Colts before the season. They're five and two. So I'm not going to. Like I'm not going to change. Like, sure, I would love to, you know, in hindsight, I would take the Chiefs, but I'm going to write out my pick. So I'm right. going to stick with Miles Garrett here. All right, and you will take Aaron Donald. Yes. Offensive Rookie of the Year. Now, this one is spicy. We both had Joe Burrow after four weeks. Are you going to zig to another player?
1: I am. I'm going to go with Herbert. I, I think if you, if you look at the impact that he's had, and I think when you consider the fact that, you know, he wasn't pre- he, it wasn't like he was preparing the entire training camp for this chance. I mean, he was, but they're preparing Tyron Taylor to start the season. Yep. And then Herbert gets thrust in week two. And so I, I just think you look at how how well he's played the entire time, and, and he's definitely not the reason why they've lost or given up some of these leads, I don't think. Like I think he's played a consistently of a higher level than Burrow. And I, I don't know that he's had as much help. I think, I don't know, maybe the weapons are somewhat of a wash when you look at what Joe Burrow has with, you know, Higgins as a rookie, but obviously Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, um, some of their pieces, Joe Mixon in the running game. Um, I would say that I think Herbert's outside of Keenan Allen has kind of had to overcome. Um, you know, he, obviously they, they've got their tight ends there too, but um, I, I think he's got a little more of an uphill battle and just the lack of preparation. So I'm going to give him the slight edge over Joe Burrow for that reason.
0: So this is pretty wild. This is this would be Justin Herbert's per 16 game like if you took his if you took what he's done in his um what is it, seven starts as a rookie after Tyron Taylor's lung was punctured by his own team doctor and you extrapolated it over the course of 16 games Justin Herbert would have uh, completed 67.3% of his passes 4905 passing yards 39 passing touchdowns and 11 interceptions. That is a monster season. That's like an MVP season.
1: Right. I was just going to say, I mean, that shatters the rookie record for touchdown passes. Shatters everything. Shatters everything. I mean, it's it's crazy to see what they've been doing. It really is. And then the fact that he's doing that and they're still not coming up with wins, it's not him. It's definitely not him.
0: It's really not. I mean, like he's – I will say that in a couple – there have been a couple of situations where in these games that he has thrown – some bad, made some bad mistakes. Some might even call them uh rookie mistakes that have led to like, it, like a deep, but I don't put that on him. Like I put that on, uh, I, whether it's Anthony Lynn or Shane system, like these, these guys, like, and I, they're being aggressive and I like it, but you have to minimize the mistakes that he can make late in these games. when you got these big leads, you know, especially as it relates to like, I guess the chiefs, he had a bad interception that really opened the door. I thought for, for the chiefs to get back in it. Uh, having said that, I mean, it's hard to, it's like, it's hard to complain about anything he's done. I'm trying to look up stat head and get these results to see. Well,
1: I, I think, I think it, like in comparison to Burrow, in comparison to Burrow, oh, just
0: really, really quickly, okay. the, the stats I read off, 4,900 passing yards, 39 passing touchdowns or more, 15 or less interceptions and 67% of his passes completed. That's been done three times ever. Wow. Drew Brees 2011 and Drew Brees and Peyton Manning in 2013. Yeah. I mean, what are we talking about here?
1: <clears throat> no, and, and look, I, I think the game, like if, if we go back to, um, Herbert and how he's looked this year, like there's, as you said, he might have some rookie moments. He's never really had a rookie game. I thought the Baltimore game for Burrow was kind of like that, that rookie yeah. game. Like yeah. he didn't have a good game and it was one of the best teams, you know, in the NFL in, in you know, and, and, and his own division. The, it's hard to go up against with that defense, the way they blitz, the blitz packages and scheme. Um, they're the coverage players on the outside. So like, clearly that's going to play a factor. But, like, I haven't seen a game like that for Herbert all year. Um, he's just been really consistent uh, with the exception of maybe a few plays here and there. So I, I think for that reason, I'd give him the slight edge right now.
0: Okay. That is uh, – I'm perfectly fine with that. And I think when you look at Burrow's stats, they've been great. He's been awesome. He's got a tough situation, but he does have a lot of weapons there. And it's not like the Chargers offensive line is, you know, like five all pros. Um, Herbert's, Herbert's just been unflinchingly unafraid to throw the ball downfield. And it's impre- Like, and he's crazy accurate with these throws. And I just, I don't know where the hell this came from. This, this is not what we saw at Oregon. Well,
1: they just, the problem was at Oregon is they really didn't put him in this sort of position to succeed. I mean, he's had a strong arm and, and when they did, know. you know, when they asked him to make throws downfield, he was great in the seams. Like he really was great pushing the football down the seams. As far as some of the deeper throws though, like they didn't ask him to do it quite as much. And they definitely didn't incorporate him as part of the running attack. Right. Um and, and there was some other thing. I mean, I, I just feel like overall this is a better system for him than what we saw him do at college. And he's one of those guys that has such a strong arm. He probably feels more comfortable completing a, a ten to twenty yard, ten out yard out, twenty yard comeback that he does Trying to throw like a six-yard hitch route, like he's just he's he's that type of big, strong arm talented player.
0: I I agree with that. I think that the the coaching that they've done to get him and to put him into successful positions is is really impressive. And I don't know if it makes up for the fact that they can't win any football games, but I mean, like developing a rookie quarterback like this should get you a long way as a head coach. Herbert, by the way, and Burrow both even money to win the award. Tua Tagovailoa is at least interesting at 10-1 to 1, because if the Dolphins win that division, he might steal the award.
1: Once they go to the playoffs. I think if they go to the playoffs, he steals the award.
0: I think that's probably true, too.
1: And, then- and by the way, you know what the difference is about his play? is dazzling. Like, that's the thing. Like, I said that earlier this year about Kyler Murray. When you have that style of play where you scramble and you buy time, and you make, you know, people tend to, like, gravitate towards it. It yeah. hits social media. It goes viral. And everyone's talking about him. It's like that, you know that that could be something that ends up, you know, capturing some of the odds or some of the, the decision makers who have this sort of vote.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, defensive rookie of the year. You had Chase Young. I had Antoine Winfield back in week four. I said there's a clip. I saw a clip. Uh, somebody posted. It was like because look, I'm not watching a whole lot of Washington tape myself or a whole lot of Washington games myself. Chase Young getting triple teamed. <laughs> I mean, like that's where, that's why his sack total not through the roof. Yeah, he's got two and a half, but
1: I think he had one, what, maybe last week. Yeah. But no, he, look, he, he's, he's, he's still going to get some of his sacks because they have the other issues you have to be concerned about on, the, on that defensive front. Um, he's, he's the, the guy to me that deserves the award. You know, if we're going to base it purely on stats, then it's going to be for people who, like you said, probably aren't watching film and aren't seeing how teams are trying to, um, you know, trying to stop him from impacting the game. Uh, I think some other guys you could mention, Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray, both linebackers had a good year you talked about Winfield, but it, it's Chase Young and it's kind of, you know, everyone else after that. Um, but at, at least looking at again, his impact on it and still from a sack standpoint, I think he'll get over six, six and a half. And let's not forget he, he missed a little bit of time too.
0: Yeah, if he gets, the, if he gets six and a half, I think somebody could steal it from him. If Winfield can make some plays or Queen or Murray and, um, Murray not the contention for for the playoffs, but like if what if Murray or, if Winfield or Queen make like a big game flipping play down the stretch, like a pick six or a you know a, a star like a strip sack or something like that, I could see that because it's sort of muddled and close. And Chase Young maybe sure. is at the fault right now, right? I, I could yeah. I could see this one changing like flipping hands.
1: It's delicate that that's what it is. Like this is a delicate award because you know it's almost like the Heisman. Like these guys have to play up, like a defensive rookie of the year moment in order for people to be like, Oh yeah. Like I remember seeing that. He's got my vote. Like what are the stats? Oh, that's good enough. Like he's got my vote.
0: Yep. That's exactly right. Uh, Coach of the year.
1: I think up to this point, I'm going to say Brian Flores.
0: I had Belichick after week four. Whoops. Um, I had LaFleur. You had LaFleur. That would still be fine. I think Flores is a great pick. Uh, and you believe the guy at the end of the season is the guy I would probably take right now, which is Mike Tomlin, because he's undefeated. Yeah. And Mike Tomlin's caught some flack in the past, I guess, for, like, for people like, you know, I don't know. But Mike Tomlin's a great coach. Yeah. He's just a great coach.
1: I love Mike Tomlin. Like, I, I really do as a coach. Like, I, I wish I would have had the chance to play for Mike Tomlin. It's just how he handles the media, how he handles his team, uh, I, I've never really talked like too in depth to guys about how he is behind closed doors, but every player that's ever played for him, respects him. They talk highly of him as a coach. So I, I just, I, I can't say enough about the job he's done. The fact that he's the first coach in Steelers history to coach them to 8-0. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it really has, is crazy.
0: Uh, most wins all time by a, a black head coach, I believe. Maybe yeah. even minority head coach, past Tony Dungy. I remember once, and this is, uh, I don't want to really get too in-depth of this, but a few years back, uh, there was a rumor about a player on Mike Tomlin's team possibly being traded, and it's a very prominent player, about as prominent as it can get on Tomlin's team. And um, uh, this is uh, happening at the owners' meetings, I think, in maybe Arizona. And uh, Tomlin came in for the coach's breakfast, and before he sat down for his breakfast, he made sure to pull aside the reporter who had reported the pot, the trade rumors. And in really like a whole room full of like a hundred people, like he didn't, like he didn't make it like a big stink. Like everyone was like, is he going to walk in and just like go ballistic on him? And he just like very like, you know, have a quiet little huddle. And then it, it broke up and it was sort of like, uh-huh, all right, I gotcha. You know, it's like, like, like Mike Tomlin is very like, Stern and precise, and I love it. Like he's like he's like, yeah. no, yeah. he's They're he's like, the standard. Of-
1: stern, precise. He he's decisive too, and I think that's something that's like a quality out of a leader that you love, where there's like no hesitation. You know, you ask him a question, he gives you an answer. He and, and he's probably thought about it before you ever asked it, uh, which is why I think he can answer the way he does, and he's so decisive with some of that. So he's done a tremendous job. And here's the thing is like, they haven't really played um, their best football yet, but you know, they lost Evan Bush. They they put in Robert Spillane. He's done a good job filling in for him, at least in the, in the meantime, who knows what's going to happen this week with uh, Ben to being on the COVID list. You know, if he continues to test negative, he could play, but just even handling it a year, you know, like COVID. I mean, think about that. Like he's, he's, he's literally had the best season to this point of his career during a year that you can make the case was the most difficult.
0: I agree. All right, finally, midseason Super Bowl pick. You had the well, Steelers and the Saints before the season. That was a really good pick.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: It looks uh, – I actually believe that if you sort by – yep, you have currently have the two number one seeds. And I, I'm going to stick
1: with it. Um, I, I think if you look at what the path was to get through – the NFC South, and, and granted, this is all assuming that we have only 17 each side, number one seed has a bye, a little easier path. If they go to 16, it kind of, I'm not saying that they, you know, each number one seed shouldn't beat the eight seed, but you never know, man. You get the playoffs and, and anything can happen. So, you know, looking at how the Saints have played in particular against their toughest opponent in the division in Tampa, feel good about that. They've already beat him twice, swept them there. As long as they take care of business the rest of the way, they should probably be the top, if not, you know, right up there as, as one of the top seeds. And, and I think, you know, Pittsburgh, it won't play Kansas City, but eventually they'll probably have to if they want to win a Super Bowl and they've got time to get better. Uh, Washington's past week versus Dallas wasn't encouraging, but their offensive line, that, that's the group that needs to improve. Like if you look at their rushing attack right now, I think they're averaging like, I don't know. Um, well, I know going into that pass game versus Dallas, Dallas is giving like five yards per attempt or whatever it was. And, you know Pittsburgh rushed for like two and a half per attempt, so it's it's concerning to see it like that, and it's concerning to see Villanueva, you know, give up some pressures from Randy Gregory or you know Okafor get beat across his face on multiple plays for tackles for loss and all that. But I, I still think that team has their best football, you know, ahead of them, and eventually they'll get there.
0: Uh, by the way, Big Ben Roethlisberger never traded for the Steelers; always on the Steelers his entire career. Maybe there were rumors. Who knows? Um I'm, I'm alluding to the story from before. But he has been placed on the COVID list as of Tuesday evening. I believe the report was that he is tested negative. So this is a close contact situation. That's right. Um, given that he was already dealing with multiple knee injuries and that he's Big Ben, he's been playing this, the game for 20 years, on this team for 20 years, I would guess that – he wasn't going to practice anyway, so I don't know if this is a huge deal going into this game against Cincinnati.
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, it, you, you'd like him to be out there to get some reps and all that, and hopefully he'll be able to re- receive the, the care and treatment he needs to deal with his knees. Um, but, you know, outside of that, I mean, look, we saw a Tennessee Titans team not practice for like two weeks, and they came out and just bludgeoned the Buffalo Bills. Yep. It's a small sample size, but maybe this is actually a good thing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, maybe the additional rest will really help Ben Roethlisberger uh when it comes game day. So uh we'll have to wait and see. But no, I, I I don't if it was if it was, you know, Mason Rudolph, for example, he had to go start, different story, even with as much as he played, you know, last year in the past couple of years. So uh I don't think this will be that big of a deal.
0: Okay. Um and my Super Bowl pick, if I was redoing it, I see this is what annoys me. I was gonna go Colts Bucks. And then the Bucks were too popular. And so then I was like I can go Colts Saints and I ended up Going with the Cowboys. I don't know why I did that before the season. Like I, like I didn't even like the Cowboys. I didn't yeah. like the Cowboys.
1: So did you not do what your heart felt? You just did what you thought would be like, you know, catchy or grab attention.
0: No, 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 no. I was worried that the, the Buccaneers were getting too much steam before the season and that bugged me. Like I bet on the Saints to win the division because I thought they were good value because the Buccaneers. Tom Brady's like, Tom's back, Gronk's back. Oh, they got Fournette. They got Fournette. They got Fournette. Like, Shady McCoy. Oh, they got so many dudes. Like, And it's like, first of all, those are all running backs. Second of all, you know, the Saints have a better roster overall. So I, was, I sort of got off the Buccaneers, and what I should have done is gone to the Saints. So yeah. if I could do it again, I would say Colt Saints. I think that's the Super Bowl we get.
1: I, I think your different. preseason predictions – uh they they need to be reviewed at some point on the show cuz there's some there's some tantalizing ones out there
0: there are some bad ones there's always <laughs> some bad ones
1: i just love how much p gives you crap
0: i know he, he gets he's all like he like but like does he think he's does he think it's like he's like i have picked the patriots and the packers to play in the super bowl every year for the last 15 years it's like is that better than going out on a limb and trying to find something new
1: no, it's true. I mean, he does pick them. He picks the Packers every year because he loves Aaron Rodgers.
0: But now he's, but now he's switched and now he's going go to go Packers Chiefs every year until Rodgers retires and he'll find a new NFC team.
1: Yeah, like, of course.
0: But that's like eating a turkey sandwich for lunch every day for your entire life, which I guess is sort of what Pete does too. Right. Like this is the missionary of, of Super Bowl picks.
1: Well, you know, everyone, everyone's got their own things. You know, some guys are just missionary guys,
0: you know, I guess Pete Briscoe is just a missionary guy. What are you going to do? All right, that's it. That's the show. Uh, I got nothing else. I don't want to say anything else. As always, a pleasure, buddy. See you next week. Okay, picture
1: this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.